Welcome to week number four of our relationship series. And in this series, we've been focused on improving a variety of relationships because when our relationships get better, life gets better. Y'all know that's true, right? And, uh, and so it, it can be a real problem when your, your relationships are not good. And so next, this is the last message in this series, but next Sunday we're starting a series we're calling Seeds. Good springtime message series, right? Seeds. Who, where are my gardeners at? Anybody got any gardeners here? All right. Any planters but not harvesters? All right. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about some stuff uh, in that series. I hope you can come next week. And it's really about doing things today that change our tomorrows. And that's what we're going to look at in this series. And so in the relationship series, though, that we're just wrapping up today, we've taken quite a journey. We began with looking at our relationship with money. And uh, hopefully that kind of, you had some thoughts on that, learned some things. In week two, oh, it's just all about love, you know, romantic relationships. And and, uh, then last week, Vanita brought, brought a challenging relationship message on family relationships and uh, so, you know, that was, that was really good, but uh, might have stretched you a little bit because, you know, family is really important. When family is really struggling, it's hard. And so there's some valuable principles today uh, from that you can get. But today I want to look at church relationships, how we interact, how we work together at church. Why, why do they even matter? What blocks them? And then we're going to talk about how to maximize them. So let's, let's talk a little bit about why church relationships ma- matter. You know, some people, they say, I love God but I hate church. And what they really mean is, you know, we know the church is not the building, but they really mean is I don't like church people, right? They don't like, they don't like church people. And so I get it. I've been pastoring for, for decades. I, I get it. People, people are people. I've had Christian business people rip me off. I've had people, you know, we've had, had that happen. I've had, have had Christians, so-called Christians lie, gossip, you know, do all kinds of other things to me. And, and we can just say, well, then what's the point of being a Christian? Well, just give them a little grace. They're still on the journey, right? And, uh, but in our, in our cynical and jaded world, it would be easy to say, you know, I'm just done with relationships in church. I want to come from you for, the, for the worship. I want to come for, for this thing or that thing. But I'm just not going to connect with anybody because I, I just can't handle it. And so um, the truth is any of us could get bitter. We get angry, we get disappointed, we can let that fester, but um, people are people, and, and, and people are people. You know, my pastor used to say, you got to give everybody about three feet. Kim and I say, you got to give everybody about six feet, yeah. you know, just, just give them a little space. You know, they're figuring out, we're figuring it out. Come on, right? Who, who here has it all figured out? I want to meet you after, uh, yeah, okay. So we've got one that's self-identified as having it all figured out. So I appreciate that courage there. Um, And so, you know, but here's the thing. We all get to choose. We get to choose. How are we going to look at what people did to us? What's that going to look like? So uh, today I want to just begin with a refresher on why church relationships even matter. Here's, Here's the first one. Church relationships make me better. And let's just look at it totally selfishly for a second. I'm better, you're better when you're in relationship with other church people. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, that process isn't always pretty. Growing up on the farm, my dad had a grinder, not a, a little hand grinder. He had about a 
14-inch grinder that was two, two inches on the outside. He'd built this thing. He'd welded it, and it had a foot pedal. And when you pressed on it, that, I don't know, five-horse motor down there would get going, and that thing, you could grind anything. But whenever you started the grinder and started to grind, sparks flew. It was messy, it was loud, it was dirty, and, and he, he did a lot of welding too. So when you, when you grind off the slag, off the weld, and so you don't know what I'm talking about, and I don't even know if I got it right either, it's been a long time. But, but the point is, you know, all of a sudden after, after months, there'd be a pile of little metal shavings that had been taken off because of that, that grinding. And the, and the same thing is true um, in, in the church, there's, there's things that when you get around other people, some of the stuff that needs to be ground off you will get ground off. See, I have a hard time changing certain things. Just get around some church people. It, it'll, it'll be all right. Amen? Sharpening things isn't pretty, but it's helpful. Make you better. So church relationships make us better. And then church relationships, having relationships with others in the church makes the church better. Now, whether you know it or not, if you belong to Jesus, have surrendered your life to Jesus, you're part of what we call the Big C Church, the worldwide global body of Christ. But we're only part of that body if we'll just stay in relationship or get in relationship. Amen? Just, just think of, of the human body. What an incredible creation. Right? It's pretty complex. Not pretty, very complex. You know, I, I was reading the other day and I saw that they discovered some new things they hadn't found in bodies before. I was like... Really? I mean, after all these years, they're still learning? I mean, it's incredibly complex, right? But it only works if all the systems connect and communicate. That's really important. And so um, one of the reasons your chairs are a little different is I wanted you to connect, and I want you to communicate. Amen? It's a big deal. So, so just think about it. When your brain says for you to type something, I mean, it's not just the brain, but the nerves and the muscles and the tendons and the joints and the bone structure. Everything has to work together for, for getting that A typed when you want to type A, right? I have a problem. I type other letters. So, so you know, it's, but it's a, we're just intricate, right? Remember that old song, foot bone connected to the... Oh, anyway, okay, we won't sing it. But it's only functional if it's connected, Right? In fact, when you disconnect the nerves, like below the head and over some part of the body, the rest of the body is, because of the P, paralyzed. And sometimes we wonder why we're paralyzed in life, and I would say maybe something between you and some part of the body has been severed, and you're stuck. You've allowed yourself to be disconnected from church relationships. And we know it. If, if body parts get disconnected, the body's in bad shape. It's not functional. I mean, that's the stuff of horror movies, right? It's, it's body parts not being, being connected. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together. I would say together. together. Say together, together again. Together. together. There we go. Right? All of us together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So if we belong to Christ, whether we like it or not, we're part of the body. And we, we, we need to, to 
to connect to the rest of the body for our own health and for the good of the church. The question is, will we choose to disconnect or will we choose to stay connected? Probably there's people in here, some of you watching online, that you've gone through a season. Maybe coming to his place was when was you'd been in a season you were in church, then you disconnected, and now this is your, you're like, I'm going to give it one more chance and try to, to come back to church again. And, and I would just say it's not just about the church. We have a part to play, right? We have a part to play. And in fact, we get in trouble when we disconnect. Here's what Ephesians 4.14 says. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the, to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Say, so that's me. The body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There's this maturity comes when you're connected properly in a, in a local church. And by the way, just a side note, you need a pastor. Amen. I just read it to you. You need a pastor. You need somebody to speak in your life. You can't do it without a pastor. You can't, you can't, without a local church, you just need a place to be plugged in because when you're connected properly, look at the next verse. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every word of new teaching. I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've dealt with over the last few years that anybody can go out to YouTube or Google and you're just searching stuff and they end up in a whole big hole. I mean, there's so much information out there that, it, that it's overload, but we're not to be tossed by all that crazy stuff. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Here's the thing. The devil's got one game, deception. Right. And his, his, his lie is that the truth looks, the lie looks like truth. That's his deception, right? And the thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. That's, that's the hard part about it, right? Instead, we will speak the truth in love. That's what the, the body does together, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is, look at this, healthy and growing and full of love. So when a body part is disconnected from the head, it dies. That's part of it. It results in death. It's not healthy. It's not going to last. It's not going to flourish. What, be, what allows you to flourish in your Christian walk is being connected not only to God, but to a local church. And the beauty is it helps other, not only you grow, but helps other parts grow as well. So, so we've got to understand that God's not just calling us, though, just to attend church just to show up. God actually calls us to be part of making the local church more effective in that community. That's part of what we're to do together. We can do more together than we can individually. And that happens through relationships. It happens. Some of those are maybe developed in a group. Some of those may be developed on a team, one of our teams that serves. You, all, all these people are just serving here. They're serving God. They're not serving us. They're serving God. He gives the reward. He makes, he makes it happen through them. And so when every, every part does that, then, then the body is stronger. Amen. 
can do more, can reach more, can be more effective. And in, in, in fact, if you're interested in that, growth track starts next week right after, first, right after the service. I would say second service. Uh, we'll get to that. But, um, but right after service next Sunday, right? And uh, you can come and be a part of growth track. And just, it's just two weeks. So um, I encourage you to do that. Now, some of us, so I've given you all this, and you're still like, eh, I, just, I just don't know. I just don't like developing um, relationships with, with church people. And if that's the case, your relationship with Jesus may not actually be what you think it is. Because remember that verse in Ephesians? Christ is the head of the church. We're the body. If we're disconnected from the body of Christ, we're, we're not, there's not another body of Christ. There's only one in the whole world with local expressions in local churches, right? So, so, so we've got to find the place to get connected. Now, listen very carefully. If church was just about information, we could get all of it off the Internet without any relationship with anybody else. But that doesn't work out. It's just like me, leaving me alone with ice cream in the freezer, dark chocolate-covered almonds, you know, some of those kinds of things. It's just not good. I need, I need Kim to bake other junk for me so I can, you know, just really, because she does that all the time anyway. But, but, but you know, left to ourselves, we're going to choose the diet we like. Amen. Right? Because some of you go, oh, I can't, but wait, no, you're here for the relationship series. Some of you are like, I'll just go on to something else. It's that, it's that balanced diet that helps us in the local church. But here's the thing. It, it's not our relationship with Jesus is ultimately expressed, worked out, and strengthened by ongoing relationships with other believers in a local church. It benefits us. Um, I saw this this week, and it's, it's a great quote. It says, so if the focus of the church is to establish my personal relationship with Jesus... I can do that personally and privately. But if the focus of the church is to build me up in love, we just read about that, right? That I may understand with all saints, that means the church, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Jesus that goes beyond knowledge and filled with the fullness of God, which by the way, if you keep a reading in Ephesians 3, it's verses 18 to 21, it says, then I must be in relationship with the church there is no way I can do that on my own. Amen. We need that connection. Amen? So church relationships make us better. They make the church better. And here's a big one. They're the main sign that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's the main sign. So, you know, how does the Bible say that, that we're, we're going to be known as disciples of Jesus? It's, it's not have a little fishy symbol on the back of your car. Or like the ones I saw that there, there something was eating the fishy. I don't know what all that, you know, that was, that was a weird one. But, but uh, it's not a t-shirt. You know, I just wear Jesus t-shirts. It's not so, social media posts. It's not that. John 13, 34 says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Amen. I mean, we just stop right there. I mean, actually love each other. If we stop there, we'd miss the best part. Because he says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. How did Jesus love us? He gave up everything for us. He risked it all. He, he left the splendor and the beauty of heaven. I mean, 
Y'all lived a little bit. I mean, if you didn't have to live in an earthly body, I'd, I'd say sign me up for that one. You know, some of you have been, you know, lived more than 10 years. You got a few aches, you got a few pains, you got some other. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not all good to be in an earthly body. But Jesus left heaven to do that because he, what, loved us. Verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How do we prove it? Our love for each other. What do you see out in the greater society most of the time? The biggest ones fussing at each other are Christians. It's a disgrace. This denomination fighting with that denomination. This, the, it's, just, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. We're, we're called to walk in love. And it, I'm going to meddle. I love you, but I'm going to meddle this morning. Some of us leave a bad taste in our mouth or in the mouth of the world because of how we talk about other Christians. I can't believe. Come on. Get a little quiet in here. So here's what we're, what we're doing. We do that. We sow poison instead of giving them healing balm. It's a problem. The sign you belong to Jesus is your love for one another. Not even for the world. It's for us as believers. I've said this several times and used it different ways, but, but I, when I was single, I used to look at married couples and, and think, man, I, I want, especially some of the older couples, I want a marriage like that. I want, I want a marriage like that. That'd be so awesome. So here's the thing. We're, we could be the same thing to the world. Think about it like this. Man, I wish I had some people who stuck with me through thick and thin. I, I wish I had some people that were in the fight with me. I'm in a battle, and they're right there with me. They're, they're pray, I mean, they won't use this language, but they're praying. They're believing God. They're, they're, stand, they're doing practical things. They're, in, in the hardest times of my life, these people were there. Speaking the truth in love, encouraging, praying, all those things. Let, let's let our love be the light. Be, People think of his place. Let it be. Man, that church really loves people. Amen. They love me. They didn't know me. They loved me when I came in. Who's, who's the they that loved them? That's us. Right. You're officially part of the they. Because yeah. you got here one week before somebody else that's going to walk in next Sunday. Amen. Show them our love. So, so the question is, if this is all so good for us and it's a sign that we're disciples, what blocks or keeps us from developing these Wonderful, iron-sharpening, iron kind of relationships in a local church. Let's look at several real quick. Here's one, busyness. We're all busy. People never been busier. You know, as bad as kind of the pandemic season was, it did allow some of us to slow down a little bit. There was some benefit to that, right? And we maybe did some things relationally that we hadn't done before. But we, we've got busy. we're busy. We, we've got more commitments than we have time. And so I want to just challenge you, prioritize relationships with others in church. Make that a part of what you do. Be, be part of a small group. Go through growth track. Get on a team. Just, just Here's the thing. It's not someday. Someday never comes. All we have is today. Today. So just make it a priority. So prioritize relationships with others of the church. Here's another thing that blocks our relationships. Fear. Fear. You may be thinking, 
If, 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 I, if I have another relationship with a so-called Christian or a church person, I'm going to get hurt again. Yep. I guarantee it. Because I don't like to get hurt. Then go be all alone, be a hermit someplace all by yourself, and you'll find out that you can even hurt yourself. Hurt happens in life. It, it absolutely happens. Why? People are people. Doesn't matter who they are. You say, well, my worldly friends treat me better than, than the church friends treated me. So far. When their agenda stops being fulfilled, you'll see it again. You'll get hurt again. But it could be a lot worse. There are some things that make us better. Here's what Proverbs 27, 6 says. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. People that care for you. The right church friends may wound you, but hopefully it's because they want to make you better. You, 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 ever, you ever gone through the rest of your, you know, like you went to lunch and the rest of the day you got home after work and you had a big old piece of salad stuck right in the front of your teeth? Anybody ever had that happen? Or something else going on, right? Who's your real friend? Your real friend said, dude, you better go check yourself in the mirror. You got something going on over there. That's the, that's the real friend. You, you need some real friends. Enemies say nothing. And then they'll laugh about it behind your back. Right? So... You, you, need, you, know, you need some church friends that are going to tell you, Sister, when are you going to stop being bitter? When are you going to stop that unforgiveness? When are you going to stop being angry? In fact, you're just no fun to be around. You need to get it together. You say, I would never talk like that. But some of us need some people to talk like that. I'm not getting you, giving you permission to talk like that, just to be clear. When I just go around, bam, you need to get it together. But, but you know, when you, get, when you develop a friendship, there comes a point you can just be totally honest. And you know what? Those kinds of conversations are the ones that will transform you because we all have blind spots. We all have things that we don't know about ourselves. And so, you know, we wonder sometimes, well, we don't, we don't have friends. Well, it's because we're angry, bitter. we got stuff that we need to deal with. And that works out in relationships. So don't let fear stop you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind or self-discipline in the new living. So take a risk. Listen, we're in a relationship series, so I can say this. When I was single, before I met Kim, if I was interested in going out with a girl, I just asked her, what's the worst she could say? No, fine. You're not the only fish in the sea. Come on, right? You got to have a little attitude. Right? Amen. Oh, I've been so desperate for that one. You fall in love, you don't even know. You're not in love. You're in lust. All right, we're moving on here. So just don't let fear stop you. Be, we, we had a word. Listen, uh, during, during the, the, the ministry time there, I, I remember I shared that word about be courageous. 
Somebody from our online audience texted me and said the Lord had given them that word, and it was confirmation in, in the middle of that, that time. So even about friendships, be courageous because you have a choice. You don't have to stay hurt. You can forgive. Amen. Amen? Here's another one, offense. That'll block you from having relationships. Luke 17, 1, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. You're going to have plenty of opportunity to get offended. What they say, what they don't say, what they do, what they don't do. Listen, if you're, listen and here's the problem. If you're offended at somebody else and you, you get that offense on you, it affects every relationship you're in. And so when you, when the next person, genuine, honest person comes along and they're really sincere, you lead off with offense. You're just trying to see if they're real. You're trying to push them away. That's a normal thing. It happens for many of us. But look, at, look, you know, you know it, it, it's, we just got to understand. What, look what it says here. It's impossible that no offenses should come. They're going to come at you. It's still your choice. It's still your choice. Well, well, I'm offended, Pastor. Yes, we all have been. Let's read it from the New Living. One day Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin. Being offended can result in sin. Amen? to hold a grudge, to gossip, to, to not show love. And here's the problem with being offended. Now, when I said, you know, don't be offended, some of you, you had some, some images of some people that you know pop into your head. That's who you're offended at. So let's get rid of that today. Let's deal with that. But you don't know what they did. I know. God does. Because here's the problem with being offended. When you're offended, you stop God from doing miracles in your life. Amen. Pastor, I don't believe that. Matthew 13, 57, Jesus went back to his hometown. He was going to go, you know, went back home for a visit, right? And he, he, he was, you know, starting to talk there. And people, it says here in verse 57, they were deeply offended. And refused to believe in him. 58. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So here's what happens. When you're offended, you stop receiving from that person. Okay? So these, these people in Jesus' hometown, they didn't want to hear from them, from him, because they, they knew his family. Because that's what they said in earlier verses. We know your mother and we know your brothers. They didn't have anything bad to do. It was guilt by association. Jesus hadn't done any sin, but they, they knew the family. So they were, they were familiar with him. And it resulted in unbelief, which left them without the miracles that they desperately desired. Big, it's a big thing. So, so the key in church relationships is to be friendly and be a friend, but not be familiar. And there's a difference. So what does that difference look like? So we all have a natural side. That's the side you need to ignore. Everybody has weird habits. Everybody does things that just get under your skin. I can't believe, you know, she wears that thing or he does that thing. So we're familiar and, and, and that's, that comes from knowing that natural side. Instead, what we should do is see the God side. 
See the God side of that person. See what God is doing in them. See the gifts that God has given them. See the character he's building in that person. And then here's the thing. You'll not be as offended as easily. One of the things I, I love to do, and, and it's just a part of our church here, is helping young people take next steps and serve God and learn how to serve God because, because somebody did that for me. And they didn't see the knucklehead, although they knew he existed. And they saw the effects of him being a knucklehead. But they grabbed a hold of that God part. And they spoke into that God part. That's what, that's what a local body of believers is called to do. And let me just say this since we're on the subject. Most people who leave a church are not called to leave. They're not called to leave. They simply got offended at someone. Might not have been even the pastor. Could have been. It probably was Kim. But, but no, I'm kidding. It wasn't Kim. Nobody gets offended at Kim. Kim's amazing. But, you know, somebody hurt them, right? And, and maybe their idea wasn't received. Or Here's the big one. People get offended probably almost every Sunday. You have an opportunity to get offended at the truth of God's word. And some people say, I, I just, I, I can't go there with the word. So they walk out. And the longer that it festers, the bigger of deal it becomes until some point, if they're still coming, they just stop receiving. And they just, there's a distance there. And all of a sudden, the rich blessings of a local church don't flow into them anymore. Not because the church changed. Then they will say sometimes, well, the church changed. No, they changed. Their filter changed, and then they decide to walk away. And I'm not thinking of anybody because I don't know if anybody has done that lately. Lately. It's been years. So, so don't let offense get a root in your heart and cause you to miss out on the blessings that God has for you. And by the way, this isn't just a church thing. This is a family thing. This is a job thing. This is a neighbor thing. It, it's in every area of life. If you say, well, I, I just, I'm offended at all these people, It's you. You're rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way. Let the cat turn around, my pastor used to say. All right? So we just got to be smart. We got to recognize that this is a strategy of the enemy to get us disconnected from the blessings and the miracles that God has for us and wants for us. Right? So, So what do we do? Let me give you four things real quick. How do we maximize church relationships? Here's number one. Release the past. How? How do we do that? Well, instead of focusing... On, on others and how they wronged you, start focusing on how much God's forgiven you of. Amen? Amen? One, one day, a woman came into the home where Jesus was having a meal with some religious leaders, and um, she just came right in and washed his feet with expensive perfume. And the religious folk in the room, they were, they were pretty upset, and, and, and Jesus had been out walking those streets. I don't know if you know what those streets were like back then, but basically it's filled with horse and donkey fecal, cattle fecal matter, and you get that on your sandals and your bare feet, and you're going in and you're eating lunch. Appetizing, huh? And this woman came in with this expensive perfume and started washing Jesus' feet. And Jesus said this in verse 41. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. You ever had a debt too great to pay? Medical debt, home mortgage, car, upside down. Imagine what it would have been like if somebody would have come in and paid that debt off. 
Wasn't that, wasn't, yeah. Yeah. And especially, think about it this. If it was more debt that you could ever pay off in multiple lifetimes. I mean, you only get one, but it was so big, right? You couldn't pay. How, how would you feel, right? You'd be grateful. Would you be overwhelmed? It'd be overwhelming. You'd probably feel a little bit unworthy. Like, why would they? And let's say it was a stranger. That would be incredible, right? Then Jesus said, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one with, for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Here's the thing. The greater the perceived forgiven debt that God has forgiven you of, the greater your gratefulness is going to be. Okay? Verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and they are many. I almost can't believe Jesus put that in there. <laughs> but he did it for a point. Have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little only shows little love. Let me just be really clear. That does not mean more sin is the path to more gratefulness. Amen. That's not the point. All right? But how do you look at others who've wronged you? How do you view them? How do you view that compared to your sin? Do you consider what they did to you worse than what you've done to others or worse than what you've done to Jesus? If you consider their sin worse, you will always be hurt, disappointed, offended, angry, bitter, and a whole bunch of other words. Unhealthy. And the root of all that sin really is pride. Because I'm better than you is the mindset when, when you can't forgive. Well, what you did to me was worse than what I did. That's pride. That's pride. Thinking you're better than others. But when, here's the thing, when you consider what you have been forgiven of as greater than anything else anybody's ever done for you, it'll be an easier first step to forgiveness towards them. Listen, we've, we've all heard about the revival probably going on uh, in our country and now in various places and college campuses. It's awesome. I pray there's more. I pray all the critics and all the, all the naysayers just hush, right? But here's, here's when revival begins. Revival begins when people see their sinfulness as significant and turn to God and repent. That's what's happened where, where it started this time. I'm convinced if we would recognize the full extent of God's forgiveness of us and forgive others, revival would break out right here. God's not waiting on something. And and the expression may look totally different than what what it looks like in other places. But revival will break out for you if you will just say, what God's forgiven me of is so much greater than anything anybody else has done to me. And just have that mindset. So, release the past. Number two, connect. Proverbs 18, 24. Said a man who has friends must himself be friendly. You want a friend? Be a friend. How? Come to a small group. Get on a team. Stand in one of the aisles. Talk to somebody. Meet somebody you don't know. There's a hundred different ways to do it. But, But it's just really important to make a friend. So, even in our groups, you may think, well, that topic doesn't really appeal to me. 
It's just an excuse to get you there. Kim's doing a, a small group on Tuesday night for the women on, on forgiving when you can't forget. And I thought, when, when she first said, I said, why are you doing that? I mean, we don't have that much unforgiveness in this church. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know what, what y'all been talking about, but Kim says there's just a lot that they're working through in the group, right? So you say, well, I don't need that. Well, you might. You might just need that friend. You might be there to be an encouragement for that person. Amen? So, so just, just let people into your life. Let your guards down. Take a risk. Be a friend. Connect. Third thing, add value. Add value. How do you be a friend? Stop looking at what you can get out of the friendship and look at what you can add to the friendship. How can you bless that person? How can you add value to them? Mark 10, 40. Oh, by the way, not the way you think you add value, but the way they think you add value. Tip. Matthew or Mark 10, 43, Jesus said, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. 45, key. For when the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, so you want your work church to really impact your life? Stop looking for the perfect church and become a friend. Find somebody that's hurting. Pray for them. Encourage them. Strange cell phone numbers with them. Text them encouragement. Amen? Just, just let, it, let it happen. And, and that's how you serve. You just serve God by serving others. So add value. And then the fourth thing, forgive quickly. See, the best decisions in life are the ones you pre-decide. Pre-decide. I decided... When I, when I met Kim and we, we had a relationship of dating and I just got to know her, I loved her. I decided I wanted to be married to Kim for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to do anything to, to tear that apart. So a few years ago, I was on a, on a trip, another city. I was going there for some, some training to do some learning. Check in, hardly anybody around the hotel. I'm going to go out and get dinner. I step out of my room, nobody in the hallway. Go to the elevator, push the button, nobody in that lobby area. The door opens, I step inside, and all of a sudden there's a woman that gets on the elevator. I have no idea where she came from. I didn't think anything of it. I said hi, because I say hi. Got to the bottom, I went to my car, went to a restaurant. And when I travel, I've got my backpack. I had, a, I had books and, and, you know, all this stuff out. I was eating a meal. I, you know, get the big booth so I can spread out like a desk. And I'm just doing stuff oblivious to what's going on. I also noticed there was a woman that was sitting in the booth in front of me. Uh, that hair looks familiar. I just remember thinking that. But then it was a bit later... It's that woman, and she comes over, and she says, help me understand my check, and it was some bogus question. I said, I don't know. You need to talk to your server. You know, red flags are going up all over. And then she sat back down for about one minute, and she said, came back. She said, say, didn't I see you at the hotel? Can I get a ride back to the hotel? I said, no, ma'am, you may not. <laughs> Why? Because I'd already pre-decided. I picked up the phone. I called Kim. Save me. No. (laughs) 
Now what I called Kim. Why? Because I wanted her on the phone. I don't, I, you know, it doesn't take a real accusation. Sometimes a false one will do the same thing or worse. I got on the phone. I didn't go back to, I mean, I, I got my check. I got out of there so fast. Then Kim, she's such an encouragement. I'm in the car. Or actually, I got back to what she said. You know, she could have had some guys out waiting out in that parking lot at night there to, to knock, you, knock you off. Oh, so thanks, hon. Appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> a little freebie there. But what's the point? I had pre-decided that I was in love with Kim and I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize my relationship with her, whether she was there or not. And I want to encourage you that we can do the same thing with forgiveness, that we can pre-decide the next time Luke 17, offense comes, I'm not going to get hung up in it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive quickly. And I have to actually work on that. And you say, well, how do, how do I do that? Well, one of my life verses is Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Have I been offended a few times? Yeah. But I try not to stay offended. When it comes, when I recognize it, forgive quickly, and what happens? You can move back into relationship. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 says to believe the best. Believe the best. Sometimes that's a struggle. But believe the best. Keep moving forward. Lean into relationships. You'll learn the rhythm of relationships, but just do it. It'll be for your good, for the good of the kingdom of God. Here's the thing. The kingdom of God moves at the pace of relationships. Moves at the pace of relationships. So if you've been disconnected, man, get connected. Start making some relationships and watch the transformation that God begins to work in your life. Let's build relationships right here at His place. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we come to you today, and I just thank you that you have a desire for us not only to have a relationship with you, which is so life-transforming and so beneficial, but, Lord, that we would also have a relationship with one another who are also pursuing you. Father, we're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we willfully do the wrong thing. But I thank you that your mercy and your forgiveness is enough for us. And Lord, we can, because we're forgiven, we can extend that to someone else. So Father, for those that are struggling to connect in relationships and maybe fearful, uncertain, Lord, today I pray for courage for them. So just take that step again. And if we're one of those that they're reaching out to, Father, help us to be full of your love, full of your grace, and help them to walk that out in relationship with you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you that are online. Maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're online, you're online with us. You say, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know what that means. Well, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins. Every sin, past, present, and future. And he wants a relationship with us. If we'll simply renounce our old ways and turn to him, ask him to forgive us, he will. So if you'd like to make that decision today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with those of us that, are, that have already made the decision. Let, let me just say this one, one other thing, and that is this. You don't have to be good enough to pray this prayer. Say, so Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't. But Jesus did, and he chose to die for you anyway because he loved you. So if you want to pray this prayer with us, pray it with me. Pray it out loud. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today.
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from my old life, and I turn to you. God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that you raised him from the dead. And so, Jesus, today, I ask you to be my Lord, be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those that made that decision.